And uh, if you've not received the notes this morning, they should be in your bulletin. But if you uh, don't have a bulletin this morning, maybe you didn't receive one on your way in, you can always raise your hand and the ushers will get one right to you. And, uh, and that way, as you uh, follow along uh, with the, the notes, we can grow together as we study God's Word together this morning. So Nehemiah chapter number two is where we're going to start. And we're going to continue with our series of I Can. We've been focusing these last few weeks on, as Christians, what God has enabled us to do. It has the focus of saying, this is what we can do. And I've mentioned every week, and I'll mention it again this week. We live in a world that always wants to focus on what Christians cannot do. But there's so much more joy, and there's so much that we can do as Christians that God really wants us to focus on that kind of truth because that's the kind of truth that brings peace into your life. It brings joy into your life when you focus on what it is that God has allowed us to do and enabled us to do. Well, this morning we're going to focus on the life of Nehemiah and we're going to, I've titled the message, I Can Build. I can build, and hopefully it'll be something that will be a help and a blessing to you this morning. So Nehemiah chapter 2 is where we're going to start in verse 17 and verse number 18. It says, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Let's pray. Father, I ask as we study your word this morning together, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that, Father, your Holy Spirit would fill me now at this moment, that I would be able to communicate this message in a way that would be clear, in a way that would be uh, helpful, a way that would be an encouragement. Father, I I pray that if there be anything that you would have me not say in this message, I pray that you would take it away from my mind now. And Father, that all that is shared would be what you would want us to hear this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with every heart, that we would be receptive to your word now as we study it, Father, as we begin to meditate upon it, may we, in this time of worship, of reading and studying and meditating on your word, may it be a time of growth for us. Father, speak to every heart, I pray, this morning. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, much of the Christian life is a life of building. The Bible speaks much about building. In fact, it says that we need to build our faith. It talks about building up our families, building up our strength. The Bible talks about building up one another, edifying one another. The Bible, if you look at it, has much to say about the Christian and building in his life. But in order to build something that lasts, we must build it correctly, the right way. Now, I have a picture of the uh, Aon Center. This is a building that is in Chicago, in the city of Chicago. And what's interesting about this building is that what you're seeing is not the original building that was built. In fact, the original design back in the uh, 1970s when it was built, uh, it had a, um, 
a covering of marble. It was an Italian Carrara marble, very expensive, very nice marble that they had encased the whole building in. But what they didn't understand and realize at that time was that this marble had never been used to cover the exterior of any building. And in December uh, 15th of 1973, in the midst of their uh, building project, a 350-pound uh, piece of the marble fell. It cracked, fell off the building, and hit the very next building to them called the Prudential Center, went right through the ceiling, went right down. Luckily, no one was injured, but it made them aware of the fact that everything that that building was covered, all that marble was not going to last. It wasn't going to be what that building needed if it was going to stay standing up. So then, uh, later in the 1990s, they had to resurface the whole building. And what you're seeing there uh, is a, a white granite that they used. And it cost over $80 million to recase the whole building because they didn't build it right the first time. You know, when it comes to the Christian life, the Bible says we have much to build. There are much areas in our life that we need to build. But it's important for us to understand as we build in our life, whether it be building our families, whether it be building our faith, whatever it is that we are building in our life, we want to make sure that we build it the right way. Now, in the book of Nehemiah, we're told of this man who wasn't a, a pastor and he, uh, he wasn't a, a full-time ministry worker. He wasn't really quite a missionary, you could officially say. Uh, Nehemiah was actually a politician, someone that was in government work there in, uh, in the Persian Empire. And God called this man, who was a cupbearer to the king in the government, a government worker, to go to the city of Jerusalem and to begin to build. God called him away from where he was at to go to this city of Jerusalem, his hometown, his home city, and begin to build what he saw there. And what we want to study in chapters 1 through 6, and I'll try to be as brief as I can this morning, but I want you to know that Nehemiah shares with us, and we can find principles in these first six chapters that we need to understand, we need to have if we're going to build something that lasts in our life. If we're going to be able to, to do something, a, a good work for the glory of God, I, I find that there's three requirements that we find. Uh, you know, if you do any construction today, uh, there's these men that are known or these people that are known as uh, city inspectors. And what the city inspectors do is that once you start building the building, they'll come in uh, near the middle of the project or sometimes to the end of the project, and they'll begin to inspect your building to make sure that you built everything up to code. And the reason for that is they've, they've written down what uh, the requirements for a building to be stable are. And you have to build to this code just so that that building will be stable and secure. Well, you know, in our life as Christians, as we begin to build, I, I find that there's some requirements, some codes, if you will, in building in your life that you need to have if God is going to bless what you build. If God is going to do anything great uh, in your life, if God is going to do anything great in our church, we're going to have to have some of the building codes that God requires in us if we're going to do something that lasts. So this morning, I want you to notice as we begin that first building requirement in the life of Nehemiah, and it's this, if you're in your notes, number one, we must have prayer. I want you to notice in Nehemiah chapter number one, as Nehemiah is just doing what 
uh, he was uh, to do as a cupbearer and, and serving the king, they, there came a, a messenger, a, a man by the name of Hananiah, and he came to give uh, Nehemiah a message to tell him how Jerusalem was doing. And you notice that as he tells him about Jerusalem, as he tells him what is going on in the city and, and the, 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 the great reproach that the city is in, you'll find that Nehemiah, the first thing upon hearing that news that he is driven to do is to go and pray. Do you know that the foundation of every great work is the foundation of prayer? If you want to do anything great for God, if you want to build anything great in your life, it is going to begin with prayer. But so many times as Christians, it's so sad that so many times we take very little time to do that. We make very little use of prayer in our life. And yet the Bible says it's one of the greatest resources that we have. It's the foundation of building anything worth building. It always starts with prayer. You see, as Nehemiah hears of the work that needs to be done in Jerusalem, his first thought is to go to God in prayer. If you look in verse number 5, what it says, you'll notice that uh, Nehemiah in his prayer said, And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants. And notice this, confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the judgments which thou hast commandest thy servant Moses. I want you to notice in his prayer, it wasn't just any prayer. It was a prayer of repentance. This prayer to say, uh, God, uh, if there's any great work to be done, it can't just be done on my own. It can't be done with my own talents and with my own ingenuity, my own creativity. I need something else. I need something beyond what I can do. You see, this prayer of repentance was a, a prayer to, to have that humility to say, God, I have not done everything right before your eyes. And there's no reason why you ought to do a great work in me. I cannot earn God's blessing in my life. Nehemiah, the first thing he thought was, look at, look at what Jerusalem needs. But you know what? Before Jerusalem can be built again, I need to go to God in prayer. I need to let God know that I cannot do it on my own. As you establish a foundation of prayer in your life, remember that that in prayer should include that confession, that idea, that truth, that reality, that building anything in our life cannot be done on our own. Uh, Nehemiah said, the God of heaven, listen, we have not been there. We, we have not honored you in all that we ought to honor you in. God, we don't deserve the, uh, for your hand to be upon us. We've not kept what your commandments have said. And Father, forgive us for that. For help us in our weakness. You see, when you come to God in prayer, you recognize that your sin, your pride, your arrogance is something that is going to hinder God from working in your life. In fact, Psalms 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The foundation of building something in your life 
Whether it be something personal in your life or whether it be something collectively as we uh, do in our church, whatever is going to start to be built for God must be built with a foundation of prayer. And that prayer must have repentance. It must have that uh, truth that we are not able to do it on our own. I, I found this, uh, this article or this paragraph somewhere. I don't know who the, the author was, but they wrote this. They said, our God is a holy God. And prayer is the vehicle that God has given us to approach Him. Indeed, prayer offered by a Christian harboring sin is akin to a plane without wings, a car without wheels, or a boat without a rudder. Make no mistake about it, God wants to hear our prayers, but flagrant disregard for the commandments of God will quickly stop His ear. You know, Nehemiah found that truth and applied it in his life. He understood the fact that though there was a lot of need in the, uh, the city of Jerusalem, though there was a lot of reproach in that city, if anything was going to change, if anything was going to be built again, he needed to start with prayer. And notice not only was a prayer a prayer of repentance, but it was a prayer of remembrance. He continues in verse number 8 as he prays, he says, Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress... I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though they were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet, he says, will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant. And to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day. And grant him mercy in the sight of this man. We find that Nehemiah's prayer not only was a prayer of repentance, but of remembrance. Nehemiah had to confess that he could not do the work on his own. But Nehemiah also had to remember the great work that God has done and can do. He says, I remember the hand of God. God, if you don't put your hand on this work, it'll never last. It'll never stand. It'll never be built. We can never accomplish what God has called us to build without God's hand being behind us. Prayer is that, that little tool that moves the hand that moves the world. Uh, God has uh, allowed us to go to Him in prayer but that prayer ought to be a time in which we confess our weakness, but also a time where we remember His strength. Where we remember what He has done. All throughout the Old Testament, you'll find that the children of Israel were to remember what God had done for them. Psalm chapter 78 is one long chapter about how God, through the history of Israel, had redeemed them out of Egypt, had protected them in the new uh, land, had brought them to the promised land, had done so much for them in protecting them and providing for them. And Nehemiah says we need God to do that great work again. We need you uh, and we need to remember what God has done. Can I say, if you're going to build something in your life that's going to be great, it must start with a prayer of remembering what God can do. Remember what He has done in your life and remember what He can do. 
Psalm chapter 118, verse 23, the psalmist said, This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And let me just say, any time that you get to do a work for God, you'll find that it is marvelous. We sang this morning how wonderful and marvelous our Savior is. And let me just say, not only the work that He did for us on the cross, but the work that He does through us also is marvelous. The psalmist seeing what God had done could just simply say, this is the Lord's doing. It's not my doing. It's not because I'm so great, but because God is so great. Anyone that's built up a great marriage knows it's not because we're just so great. I'm such a great husband and, and, and she's such a great wife. Anyone that has built a great marriage knows it is the Lord's doing. It's, what, uh, it's the Lord that brings and builds a marriage. It's the Lord that builds a home that is not going to come down. It's the Lord that will do that. You need to remember that. Remember what God has done. Remember the promises that are in His Word. Peter, when all the new Christians were scattered throughout the Roman Empire because of persecution, he writes to them and he says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Why did he remind them of the promises? He said, because God wants to do a great work through us. God has scattered us for a reason. God has brought persecution for a reason. Why? Because God wants to do a great work. But let me just say, remember his promises. If you're ever going to do something great and build something great for God, remember the promises that He has given you and me. Somebody wrote this because it's such a contrast to God's promises. God promises life. God promises peace. God promises joy. But somebody wrote this about the promises that the devil makes. They said, Satan promises the best but pays with the worst. He promises honor and pays with disgrace. He promises pleasure and pays with pain. He promises profit and pays with loss. He promises life and pays with death. Anyone that's ever lived their life even for one moment or for just a few years in the devil's way of doing things has found that that is completely true. That the devil's promises are never good. The devil, what he gives, is never satisfying and it's never joyful and it's never peaceful. But the promises of God are good. This morning, if we're going to build something great for God, it's going to be built, first of all, and us understanding that we must go to Him in prayer. In that prayer, we must confess, it's not that we can do anything of ourselves, but God, we need Your hand. We've seen and known what You have done. And I say this in respect of what we are about to embark on this year as a church. We're sitting in some pews today and we're, we're, we're enjoying the comforts of this building because God has been good. Because God has promised to provide and has provided for us. God has been good to us to provide a property that we have. You know, we owe nothing on this property. We owe nothing on this building. God has been so good to provide all that we have this day. And listen, it's a, it's a blessing that we have received from Him. And, and we can look back in the 40 years or, or so of the history of this church, and we can say, God, this is Your doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. But we must remember that God has made promises not only from the past, but for our future. God wants to do something great this year through us as we begin to build a new building and expand what we are doing here now for God. God wants to do even more. God wants to build up another great work. But He needs people that will go to Him in prayer. 
He needs the members of Bethany Baptist Church to be able to spend some time during this week and just pray and say, God, that's a big, that's a 15,000 square foot building. I don't know how we're going to do it. God, we can't do it on our own. Oh, but God, if you'll just use your hand. God, I, I know your promises. I know that you have said you'll never leave us nor forsake us. God, we need you now for this work. Man, it's a, it's a foundational requirement that you need if you're going to build in your life. It's what we need as a church. Let me tell you something. It's what you need as a Christian. Start with prayer. Dr. Curtis Hudson said this. He says, there is more that you can do after prayer, but there is nothing you can do until you pray. Nehemiah saw the work that God was calling him to build. And the first thing he said is, I need prayer. I must go in prayer. But no, notice not only was it prayer, but we also must have a burden. Look in chapter 2 and verse number 2 and 3. Nehemiah says, wherefore the king, as he was serving the king, he said, wherefore the king said unto me, why is thy countenance sad, seeing that thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid and said unto the king, let the king live forever. He said, why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lieth waste, and that the gates thereof are consumed with fire? We get a little hint of what was going on in Nehemiah's life at this point. We find as God has laid on his heart to go and build. He spent time in prayer. He spent time with God. But now we see a burden coming out of that time of prayer. We see something of, of a heaviness on his heart. We see that his countenance was sad because of the burden that was on his heart. Let me say that a burden is something that ought to affect your heart and mind. You'll notice that the king said of him, man, this is nothing but sorrow of heart. And Nehemiah said, well, king, what else can I do? I see my city. And the walls are burnt down. It's lying in waste. I can't help but think about the people and the situation there. And it affects my heart. It affects what I do every day. I can't live the same way. I can't enjoy the same things without thinking about that burden that's on my heart for what is going on over there. You see... That burden was something that was going to affect what he thought about, what he felt, what he loves. We're to God that our church here at Bethany Baptist Church would have a burden that way. That we would look at the city around us here in Mission, a city of more than 80,000 uh, residents. Not counting McAllen, which has another 140,000, that's more than 200,000 people within 10 minutes of this area of this church. Word of God, that we would have that kind of burden, that we would look around as Nehemiah and what we see, that it would affect our heart. Jeremiah, when the Babylonians came and, and began to burn down the city, said, mine eye affected my heart. I like what David said as he went to the battlefield and seeing Goliath terrorize his nation. He began to say, hey, I'll fight this guy. I'll take him down. And then everybody, even his brother, started getting on to him. Who do you think you are, David? What, what do you think you're trying to do? And David said, I'm just trying to build something. 
And then I love what he said in verse 29 of 1 Samuel 17. He said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason to do this? Isn't there not a reason for somebody to go and face that Goliath, that giant? Isn't there, isn't there a reason to do something now? Usually when God calls you to build something, he'll lay on your heart a burden. And that burden will tell you, is there not a cause? Isn't there something more than just living for me? Is there something more that can give me peace? Is there something more that I can do for you, Lord? You see, the burden was something that affected Nehemiah's heart. But then I want you to notice it was something that affected his vision. It affected his vision. Look in verse number 15. Nehemiah had gone on that night when he first got to Jerusalem and he gets on the beast that he had and he goes through the city and he begins to look at the walls and look at the ruin that was there in that city. And that burden that he had as he watched and looked at all the ruin that was there began to speak to his heart and it's amazing to me that what he saw wasn't a financial opportunity. He didn't say, oh, these, are, these people, they're so much in need. I can really make some money here. Man, I can really advance my career here. I can really do something here that will, that will make me greater than I am. He, he didn't have that in mind when he went around the city. He wasn't looking at that when he saw the walls torn down. No, Maya, Nehemiah begins to go around and that burden begins to get heavy. And it begins to affect what he is seeing. He begins to see that the great work that is needed is only going to be done by someone that has a burden for it. So many had been living in that city and done nothing about the walls, done nothing about the reproach, done nothing to change the situation. Oh, but not Nehemiah. Nehemiah saw what was going on and that burden began to work in his heart. It began to affect what he was seeing. It began to affect what he was thinking about. You see, Nehemiah's burden was for others, not for himself. Look to the needs of others. And this morning as we begin to build what we are building as a church in that building across the way here. It is not because of our needs that we ought to be looking at. That's why we're building that building. But the needs of others. The reason we need 15,000 square feet isn't just for 100 people. It's because we need 1,000 people in there. Because there's a city of 200,000 the next in, in 10 minutes from here that needs to hear the gospel. And where can they go? Right. You see, the building, the burden for that building uh, isn't so people can say, wow, there's a lot of money there at that church at Bethany Baptist. No, my desire is that people would see that and say there's a great burden in that church, in the people of that church. It seems like they're building this big building like they want more people for mission to come. It seems like what they pray about and what they think about and what they talk about when they're at work or at the grocery store. If you've ever met one of those members, you'll know, man, they're all about reaching people. See, that's what a burden's all about. Nehemiah, at first, kept that burden to himself. He says there in verse number 17, I, I told no man. In verse number 16, 
He said, I, I couldn't tell anybody. I hadn't told the priests. I hadn't told uh, the rulers and the governors. I hadn't told anybody. It was just something that God placed on my heart. He said, but when I finally opened my mouth to share my burden, he said, I shared with him the need of building that wall. He said, we, we need to build that wall. He told him, you know what God has done in my life? You know what God can do in your life? You know what God wants to do in this city? I got to share it with you. It's something that's on my heart. It's something that's affecting what I want to do with my life. The vision that I have for this place. I want you to notice that Nehemiah was one that was wanting to share his burden. David Livingston, a man who was a faithful missionary to Africa, walked over 29,000 miles in his, in his ministry on the continent of Africa, going to different tribes to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love what he said. He said, send me anywhere Lord, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, Lord, but only sustain me. Sever me from any tie but the tie that binds me to your service and to your heart. You know why they buried David Livingston's heart in Africa? Because those that saw him knew the burden that he had. It was a burden that he shared with the people there. It was a burden that he had not to make his, ma his name known as a famous explorer, no. He just wanted to be a man that wanted to share what God had done in his life. What God wanted to do on the continent of Africa. Thousands came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because one man had a burden. I wonder how many today will have that burden. I wonder how many here at Bethany Baptist will say, that's my burden today. I want to have a burden that affects my heart. Something that's going to get my eyes off of this world. That's why the, uh, the, the writer in Hebrew said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. He said, I'm not going to look into this world. I'm not going to look to what it offers. I'm not going to look to get ahead in my life. I just want to, get, uh, I, I just want to do what God wants me to do. A burden for, for seeing what God can do. I wonder how many here have that burden today. They say, listen, God's been good the last 40 years and we, we enjoy a lot. But listen, God has so much more to do. Amen. God wants to do more through this generation, this next generation that he has done in the previous generation. But I wonder how many in this generation will have the burden. Right. We're sitting in this place as a result of those that have gone before us with a burden. But I wonder how many will sit in that building because of our burden. You see, Nehemiah was a man that wanted to do something great and build something great for God. But you're not going to do it without prayer. You're not going to be able to do it without a burden. But I want you to notice lastly this morning, you're not going to do it without being willing to sacrifice. You find that Nehemiah gets the people ready to work. In chapter 2, verse 18, they said, let us rise up and let us build. They said, Nehemiah, we're with you. Let's do what God has called us to do. But then Nehemiah says, listen, you're going to have to be willing to sacrifice. You read in chapter 4, verse 7, 8, and 9, you notice that when they begin to build this work, when they begin to repair the wall, suddenly there was adversity. Suddenly enemies began to creep up and began to threaten them to the point that they were so angry that the walls were being built that they said, well, we're going to surprise attack them. 
They said, when you're not looking, you people that are building the wall, we're going to come, and we're going to come after your families. We're going to come after your children. We're going to come after the work that you are doing. You know, anytime you build something great for God, adversity always comes. I can't tell you how many countless people that I've talked to that say, man, when I began to just decide I was going to be faithful, it seemed like everything went wrong. Before I ever became faithful to church, everything was going just fine. My job was going fine. My family was doing fine. Everything was going fine. But then I make a decision, and suddenly everything goes wrong. It's much like that. Anything that you build in life that's going to last and mean something has adversity to it. And Nehemiah shares with us the adversity that came as a result of that. They had to be willing to sacrifice. And I want you to notice what he says to the people in verse 14. He says, And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. If you're going to sacrifice, let me tell you something, it's going to require a faith-filled trust. Here are people that were just trying to build a wall, just trying to do what God had called them to do. And now the enemy comes and Nehemiah has to tell them, be not afraid of what they can do. Don't be afraid of their faces. Don't be afraid of their threats. Don't be afraid of what they can do. God is with us. God is, is, is going to protect us. God has provided. Listen, God has a strong hand. Sometimes we wonder, hey, can I go on this tithing thing? Can I really give 10% of my income and survive? Let me tell you something. God will survive you. God will help you. God will provide for you. If you just simply say, I want to build what God has called me to build. Be willing to sacrifice. Be willing to give. It's amazing. Sometimes we want to give the last and leftovers and call it sacrifice. It's amazing to me how so many times when it comes to God, that's what we call sacrifice. But when it comes to the car dealer, sacrifice takes on a whole new meaning. Do you know that the average payment on a car, a brand new car, is $378 a month? The first car I ever got in 2007 was a two-year-old Nissan Altima, a 205 Altima. And I remember my payment being $378. (laughs) Oh, my word. That's a lot of money. That's all I can remember thinking. It is. And it was a commitment of five years that I made with that dealership that I was going to pay every month till I paid that thing off. I remember being challenged that year in my personal life and saying, why is it that we can sacrifice so easily for something like that? But we think it's so great if we just give God 50 bucks. No, I'm not saying there's a Amount you have to give. Oh, you got to give 400. No, no, no. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we need to refocus on what sacrifice is all about, though. We need to realize that sacrifice is more than just giving our attendance at church. It's more than just giving a few uh, dollars in our pocket. It's more than that. Nehemiah told the people, you got to just not fear them. Have faith in God. There I put the passage, and we don't have time to read everything of Daniel chapter 3, but we find Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they were filled by faith in God. As Nebuchadnezzar threatened their lives, they said, we're not careful to answer you in this manner. We're not going to go against what God has said. See, God was building them to do something great in the empire of Babylon. 
God wants to do something great in our day and age in 2019 through Bethany Baptist Church. But I wonder how many are willing to sacrifice. And I mean truly sacrifice by faith. I wonder how many here would say, man, I'm going to give 5000 this year. I'm going to give 2000 this year. Man, I, I, I love to, to challenge our college students to say, hey, listen, I'm just going to give God what I can. Maybe I can give 1000 maybe 2000 maybe 3000 I don't know. But just say, I'm going to trust that God is going to provide for me as I sacrifice for him. That's why God told the people of Israel and Malachi, hey, try me in this and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. But you got to give sacrificially. This requires a faith-filled trust. Lastly, this requires a finalized commitment. Say, first he said, be not afraid of them. And then in verse 17 and 18, look what Nehemiah says. He says, they which build it on the wall and they that bear burdens... With those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one, had his sword girded by his side, and so builded he the work. You see, that's the result of faith-filled trust. Nehemiah said, don't fear what they're telling you. Don't fear their threats. And on the other hand, get a sword and be ready to work. Be ready to defend yourself with the sword. Be ready to work with the other hand. And let's get built what God has called us to build. You see, that's a commitment. That is saying, I will do whatever is required of me to get the job done. We don't have the time to go into it. But you know, there was a time where the people there were telling Nehemiah, Hey, I'm scared for my wife. I'm scared for my children. I don't know what's going to happen to them if I'm here at the wall building. What's going to happen to them? And, And you know what Nehemiah said? He said, that's why we need the wall. We need the wall to protect our wives, to protect our children. He said, build with them in mind. Build for them. Can I say this morning, this building back here is for them. It's for that next generation. It's for those 200,000 people around us that need, that need to see someone that is committed Someone that's willing to sacrifice and say, I'll do whatever I have to do just to get this thing built. Just to do what God has called us to do. Can I say this morning, Nehemiah was a man that was going to finalize his commitment. That he was saying, I will do what needs to be done. Did you know that 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence? Their conviction resulted in untold sufferings for themselves and for their families. Of the 56 men captured by the British, uh, of the 66 men, five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another two had sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the war. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy uh, planter and trader, saw his ships sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died in poverty. What I'm saying today is that we live in a country that is free because someone was willing to sacrifice before us. And if something's going to get built for God that lasts and means something, it's because people today decide that they're willing to sacrifice to build. And I wonder this morning how many of us are willing to do that. I wonder how many of us are willing to say, God, if you want to build it, use me. If you read in chapter 6 and verse 15, 
You'll find that Nehemiah finished the wall in just 52 days, less than two months. Cover a city full of walls. Even with adversities, even with difficulties, Nehemiah got it done. I wonder this morning, how many of us are willing to say, I want to get it done? I want to get it built. I want to do what God has called me to do. How many are willing to have a burden? How many are willing to pray? How many are willing to sacrifice so that God can do what only God can do? This morning, I wonder how much you'll commit. I want to ask at this time really quick, uh, I believe the ushers have the uh, commitment cards. And if you've not received, we had a banquet yesterday and perhaps you were there. But if you've not received a commitment card and would like to be a part of this new building project, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. The ushers are just going to go around really quick and give you a commitment card. And you'll find there on that commitment card, there's a space that you can commit yourself to say, I want to give this much per month so that it can get built. This building project, may I remind you, is more than just about us. And if you need one, just raise your hands real quick. You can, you can raise your hands while I'm talking. It's no problem. But you say, I want to I be a part of that kind of building. I want to be a part of that kind of work. I want you to notice that near the end of the project there, as Nehemiah was getting towards the end and his adversaries and enemies had seen that he was going to finish the work, they began to tell him, why don't you come down and let's talk about this. Uh, let's come down and let's just see what, what we're going to do about this. And you'll notice that Nehemiah answers them. He answers them in, in chapter 6 in verse number 3. He said, I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. As you get that commitment card, as you begin to fill out what you feel God is laying on your heart, just remember, it is a great work that God has called us to do. I pray that we will willingly sacrifice knowing that it is a great work. Not a work of ourselves, not a work of our own, but a work that he has called us to do. I pray this morning that we will answer that call. Every great work in your life, whether it's spiritual building, whether it's a physical thing in your life, no matter what, three requirements that you're going to have if you're going to build. A foundation of prayer. You're going to need to have a burden from God. You're going to have to be willing to sacrifice. Anything great that has been built, that has ever lasted, has had those three requirements. This morning, I wonder, will you commit? Will you build? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And Father, thank you for the work that you have called us to do. Father, I pray that this morning as we commit ourselves, that we would commit ourselves knowing that we cannot do this work on our own, but we need, a, we need power from on high. We need you to do that work. Oh, Father, I pray that this morning as we write down that commitment that we have, oh, Father, I pray you'd help us to fulfill that commitment. Oh, I don't know how we're going to be able to pay it all off. Oh, but Father, I know that the God that I serve owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I know, Father, that through your power, through your strength, through your provision, we'll pay it off. Help us to have faith. Help us to be willing to sacrifice. To see it as something that is important. To see it as a great work in our lives that you've called us to do. Work, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.